Christmas shopping done? How many of you have not even started yet? No, I don't believe that. You really haven't? Okay, at the end of the service, we have prayer partners. We want you to come forward for prayer, okay? That is really funny. I did not expect that from you. All right, let me hear, let me, let me read you this story for just about two minutes. It's a great story, and then I'm going to springboard from this amazing story. In a small London house on Brook Street, a servant arranges a tray full of food. For more than a week, he has faithfully continued to wait on his employer, an eccentric composer who spends hour after hour isolated in his own room. Morning, noon, and evening, the servant delivers meals to the composer and returns to find the food untouched. Once again, he forces himself to go through the same routine, complaining under his breath about the strange behavior of musicians. (laughs) As he swings open the door to the composer's room, the servant stops in his tracks. The startled composer, tears streaming down his face, turns to his servant and cries out, I do think, I do think I did see all of heaven before me and the great God himself. George Frederick Handel had just finished writing a movement that would take its place in history known as Handel's Messiah, the Hallelujah Chorus. Although Handel wrote the greatest music in in England, he suffered personal setbacks there as well. He fell in and out of favor with the changing governments, competing with the established uh, English composers, and dealing with the hard-to-please audiences, he found himself bankrupt. Audiences for Handel's music were unpredictable, and the Church of England attacked him for what they considered his practice of writing biblical music to be performed in secular theaters. Handel drove himself to recover from one failure after another, and finally, his health began to fail. And by 1741... Uh, He was swimming in debt. It seemed certain that he would land himself in debtor's prison. On April 8th of that year, 1741, he gave what was considered his farewell concert. Miserably discouraged, he felt forced to retire from public activities at the age of 56. Then two unforeseen events changed his life. Number one, a wealthy friend named Charles Jensen gave him a piece of literature all about Christ written from the Bible that would forever change his life. Second, he, he received a commission from the Dublin Charity to compose work for a benefit performance. Handel set to work on composing on, on August the 22nd in his little house on Brook Street in London. He grew so absorbed, I'm almost done, he, he grew so absorbed in this work, that he rarely left his room stopping to eat. For the next 24 days, he did not leave the house, barely ate anything, and wrote 260 pages of manuscript that would become known as Handel's Messiah. Messiah was performed on April the 13th, 1742, as a charitable benefit, raising 400 pounds and freeing 142 men from debtor's prison. A year later, Handel would perform his masterpiece in London. Controversy coming from the Church of England continued to plague Handel. Yet the king 
the king of England, attended the performance. As the first notes of the triumphal hallelujah chorus rang out, the king rose. Following the royal protocol, the entire audience stood, initiating a tradition that has lasted more than two centuries. How many of you in the room have heard Handel's Messiah? Okay. How many of you in the room have stood when it comes to that hallelujah chorus? Now, if you only knew that part of the story, and that's all the part of the story I knew about, was the fact that you know, he wrote some great piece of music, you, you would know, everybody would agree that the favor of God was on this guy's life. No, nobody can write a piece of music like that, 260 pages of all these funny notes. and st- I mean, nobody could do that unless the hand of God was upon them. But what most of us don't realize is that George Frederick Handel spent most of his life in debt, most of his life struggling with relationships, most of his life kind of alienated from other people. Most of us wouldn't think that that would be the favor of God because we think the favor of God is living a life that doesn't have a lot of those kind of painful experiences. And yet here's a guy that we would all say definitely has God's favor, but he certainly didn't live a life that would seem like, it would seem like God would take a little bit better care of him. Now, I don't know all of you in the room. I know a lot of you in the room. So I don't know if all of you believe in the Bible, don't believe in the Bible. You think Jesus is the Messiah. You're still trying to figure out who Jesus is. I bet, I bet there's a lot of different diversity in a room with this many people. But something that we all have in common something that would unite every single one of us in this room. There's a human condition of favor. We all in this room want favor. We came out of the womb wanting favor. You want favor from your parents. You want favor from your grandparents. You want want favor from from your teachers in your life. I, I can remember my first grade teacher, her name was Mrs. Sayre. I did not have Mrs. Sayre's favor. <laughs> the poor woman was old. She's about dead then. I know she's dead now. If she's not dead, I'll pray for her because she should have been dead a long time ago. <laughs> I had the woman her last year that she taught school, and she should have retired at least 15 years before I had her. I'm this little boy who cannot sit still, doesn't want to learn nouns and verbs. Who wants to do that? If you're, you know, seven years old. So, Mrs. Sarah, I did not have her favor. And school did not start well for me. I did not think I was going to do well in school. I did not have her favor. Second grade was kind of a blur. Third grade, I had a woman named Mrs. World. And Mrs. World, no pun intended, changed my world academically forever. We all want favor of people around us, coaches, teachers. Those of you that are in business, you want the favor of your vendors, bankers. We we all want favor. This is just a natural desire within us. So I think something that unites every one of us in this room would be we all want favor. Now, I think most of us in the room would really like to have the favor of God. But we're not really sure what that looks like. And we're not always sure what that means. What does the favor of God in our lives smell like? 
And maybe I can't have the favor of God because I wasn't raised in a good Christian home. Or maybe I can't have the favor of God because my family didn't make a lot of choices to to go to church. Or maybe I made some really poor choices uh, in, in college or in young adulthood. So there's no way I can have the favor of God. And so I want to make a case today that you might even be like George Frederick Handel with a lot of problems in your life. But I'm convinced that every one of us in this room, we can qualify for the amazing favor of God. Now, favor is something that God actually talks about quite a bit. And so I've got some scriptures that I'm going to show on the screen. Don't turn to our main scripture yet, but I'm just going to show you a bunch of different scriptures that apply to our topic today. The first one is in Genesis. Right off the bat, in Genesis chapter 4, verse 4, the Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering. Look at the next one in Genesis 6. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Okay? I know you by name in Exodus 33, 12, and you have found favor with me. These are all different people, all different groups with God. Leviticus 26, I will look on you with favor and make you fruitful and increase your numbers, and I will keep my covenant with you. Second Chronicles says this, in his distress, this is about King Manasseh, and King Manasseh is having all kinds of problems, and he's asking God in his distress, his is King Manasseh, he sought the favor of the Lord, his God, and humbled himself greatly before the God of his ancestors, and God gave the man favor. The next verse, Psalm 90 verse 17 says, may the favor of the Lord rest on us. Denise and I have this on our wall behind our bed. And um, we just actually have it written on our wall because we love this verse. We, we want to sleep through the night, you know, with kids and teenagers. You know, this, is a, this is a prayer request right here. But may the favor of the Lord rest on our God. May the favor of the Lord our God rest upon us. And Proverbs says this. I love this one in Proverbs too. Proverbs says, for those who find me find life and receive favor, incredible favor from the Lord. Well, maybe you think, okay, I get it. My sister can have favor. You know, the priest can have favor. Maybe my pastor can have favor. But I, I, I don't know about me. Well, here's three quick little scriptures I want to share with you that God does not show favoritism. Look at these three passages. Number one, then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism. Uh, Romans says the same thing. God doesn't show favoritism. One more. Ephesians 6. And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven. And there is no what? What's it say? There is no favoritism with him. Well, what's all that got to do with Christmas? Well, it's got a lot to do with Christmas. Because there was a woman named Mary who was highly what? highly favored. Now, every Jewish girl dreamt, maybe I could be the mother. Maybe I will be the one who will actually be qualified to receive God's favor and and give birth to, to the Messiah. Every Jewish girl, every Jewish female, every Jewish mother dreamt Maybe I can be the one who will be able to to have this incredible favor of God. So if you want to, turn with me to Luke chapter 1, Bible or a phone or iPad or whatever you have. 
In Luke chapter 1, we have this amazing, very familiar story. But Luke chapter 1, verse 26, we'll start with verse 26, says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth. Now, most of you haven't been to Nazareth. It's a dump. It's not a city you want to go to. It's not, it's not you know, like on, on your bucket list. It's not a place that you're going to want. If you and I were God and we're getting ready to birth the Messiah of the world, none of us would have picked Nazareth. Not a single one of us in the room would have picked it. So this is interesting. To a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David, the virgin's name was Mary, okay? Now here's the big verse. The angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored. Now what, what does this mean? You are going to have God's favor. God's favor is going to rest on you. The Lord, the verse says, the Lord is with you. Now why her? What, what, what had she done? Was she without sin? No. Was she wealthy? Did she buy her way into this? No, they were peasant people. They were extremely poor. This is what favor is. It's God's unmerited grace. You haven't earned it. You don't deserve it. And yet God has extended his favor to every man, to every woman, to every boy, every girl in this room this morning. The favor of God is extended. Greetings, Mary. Look at verse 29. Mary was greatly troubled at his words, and she wondered what kind of a greeting this might be. Well, of course she is. This is normal, right? You'd be freaking out, too, if an angel came to you. You ever notice how every time an angel showed up, they always said, do not be afraid? You know why? Everybody was afraid. Everybody was always afraid when an angel came. Verse 30 says this. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. Uh, Right, Mary, because you found favor. Well, you've scared me to death, but I got the favor of God. What what, what does favor mean? It means that God accepts you. God receives you. God likes you. God cares about you. God has a plan for you. God has a purpose for you. I don't know if the wheels are turning in your mind yet this morning, but I imagine most of us are going, I, I don't know about this. You know, again, maybe somebody else, but, but do you realize the poor choices I've made with my life? How, how in the world would I qualify ever for the favor of God? Verse 31, you will conceive and you will give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. All right, verse 32, he will be great and he will be called the son of the most high The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. Verse 33, and he will reign. Mary, you're favored, but let me tell you what, as cool as that is, look at who he's going to become. Look at what he's going to do. He will reign over Jacob's descendants forever and his kingdom, his kingdom, it will never, ever end. Now, what's so significant about this baby boy is he would change history forever. He would change the world forever. You know, if, if I gave you a sheet of paper and a, and a pen or a pencil or whatever, and I said to you, could, could you like name the founder of Microsoft? You could say, yeah, yeah, I could do that. Could, 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 could you name the founder of, of Facebook? 
Most of you could, most of you could do that. Could, could, could you name the founder of, and I could, I could list several different companies today. Could, could, I, could I say, can, can you tell me the name of the guy that was in prison for 27 years in South Africa and he just died at age 95? Most of us in the room, right, could, could, could name those. You know, about 25 years from now, unless you're just a trivial pursuit player and really smart and have a great memory, you won't remember, you might remember Nelson Mandela. But in 25 or 30 years from now, you're not going to remember those names. You're not going to remember those, those, those people. You're not going to, I can just see my grandkids saying, Grandpa, I bet you had an iPhone. <laughs> I, Grandpa, you're so old, I bet you used an iPad. I'm not about to tell them I, I remember the floppy disk. I'm not about to tell them that. They'll put me in the grave right then and there. We're not going to remember these people today. We're not going to remember these people that some We're going to remember for 2,000 years. Jesus Christ is the answer to everyone's problem. Jesus Christ today, there's 7 billion people, 2.5 billion people today on this planet claim to be followers of, of this Messiah. You're, you're, you're darn right, your favorite, Mary. This is cool. Let me tell you something. Who he is and what he can do is a whole lot cooler than, than, than that. So I, I want to talk about, I want to give you, pull out your bulletin if you would. I've got a couple things I want you to fill in. And then we're going we're to dial down on favor in just a minute. So as you're turning there, I want to go to Luke uh, chapter 1 verse 35. How will this be, Mary said, since I'm a virgin? Verse 35, the Holy Spirit. And we're going to talk about that in just a minute. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born to you will be called the Son of God. Verse 38, um, I'm the Lord's servant, she said. May your word be to me as to be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. All right, I want to talk about favor. If you want to fill in your blanks in your bulletin, great. But I want to talk about the favor of God and how that applies in your life. Are you ready for it? All right, everybody still awake? All right, here we go. Here's the first one. Number one, since we all want favor, whether it's from our coaches, from our teachers, from our vendors, from our bankers, we all want favor. Why don't we start with favor at the top? Why don't we figure out? So, so maybe this is new for you this morning. Maybe like, you know, you've come today, you came today because, you know, your niece was singing on stage and those kids were cute. Weren't they cute? I, you got to admit they were cute. I can't believe you took pictures of Jonathan. I'm going to have to live with that forever, all week long. Whoever took, I want your phone. I want the film. I want to destroy that. I'll have to live with the boy for the next week. Do not take pictures of Jonathan when he's up here. Um, they were They were great. This is about the Savior who will change their lives forever. So, so why don't we start with the top? Why don't we start with God? Make it a pursuit this year, 2014, figure out what does it take to be in that right relationship. And we'd love to help you with that. We'd love to foster and facilitate every way we can. But it starts at the top. How do we find favor with God? Well, number two, I'm going to tell you that. Number two is since you can't earn it, you can receive his favor. You receive Jesus as the Messiah. You receive him as the Christ. I think John chapter 1 verse 12 ought to be a memory verse. I think everybody in the room should memorize John chapter 1 verse 12. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. You receive him. You believe in him. He gives you the right. Number three, the next one. 
Go ahead. Everyone, I'm convinced, everyone today can have the favor of God. See, Luke chapter 1, verse 35, talked about how the Holy Spirit would come on this woman. And in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was kind of sporadic. Everybody didn't get it, and everybody didn't get the Holy Spirit like for all their life. But in Acts chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost came and the first church service began, Peter said, repent, be baptized, every one of you in the name of, of Jesus Christ, and you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Every Christian today has the Holy Spirit. Every Christian today can receive this, and that's the favor of God. We get God living inside of each and every one of us. Look at the next one, all right? His favor allows you to change the world. Every one of us in this room, we are world changers. Last weekend, our middle child graduated from um, school, college on the other coast, and so we're there, and it was awesome. His name was on. I looked to make sure his name was in the brochure. That's good. All right. I can sit down and breathe now. And... um, And so they had a great commencement speaker. John Ashcroft, former attorney general, was the speaker. Phenomenal uh, speech. And then they had two students, and and the the, the girl was was pretty good. And the guy got up there. They should have screened it. Somebody should have read it. He gets up there, and he says, "Um, I am not a world changer. I mean, it's kind of like that black cloud on Charlie Brown was coming into the room. You could, just, you could just feel it. And I'm thinking, did anybody listen to this before the kid? Get, I would not have let him say that. See, I vehemently disagree with that. I, I believe you're all world changers. Now, it can be for good or for bad. You change your world. You change everybody in your world. You may not be able to change 7 billion people's lives, but you change 7 and, and every one of us, because we have the favor of God, we're able then to change other people's lives that are all around us. And he's counting on you. He's counting on you to do that. You know why? This last point is you are his favorite. You are. Every one of us in this room, you and I, we are his favorites. Now, so just relax for a second. I want you to just to hear some stories about how I know this is true. Think about Jesus. And Jesus gets baptized. And he gets baptized, and for like the first time, they hear the voice of God. And what does God say when Jesus gets baptized? He says, this is my beloved son in whom I am. I am well pleased. And the very next verse says, then the spirit led him out into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. I'm going, huh? That doesn't fit. It just says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And then the very next verse says, then the devil led him into the wilderness to be tempted. I thought he had God's favor. Well, he did. He does. Think about Mary. Mary, greetings. You who are highly favored. You've been chosen. You're going to have an incredible son. Mary, you are God's favor. And the next thing Mary does is she goes home and she has to tell mom and dad, I'm pregnant out of wedlock. I thought I had God's favor. How come this is so hard? She has to go tell Joseph. And thank goodness God intervenes in a dream and lets Joseph know what's going on. And then they have to go and ride a donkey 
for nine, she's nine months pregnant. I can't even, I've never been pregnant, but women, can you imagine that? Going nine, nine months pregnant on a donkey, you know, in another town. And then she gets there. And it could not be a more unsterile environment. You could not give birth in a more unsterile environment than a manger, than a stable with the manure and the urine. If you're God and she has your favor, why in the world wouldn't you give her like a suite at the Ritz or something? Why, why would she be in a barn? Yet she had God's favor. Those wise men, they had God's favor. And that was a long, arduous, dangerous journey. And they went all the way then into the stable and the manger and ended up in a house eventually two years later. They had to pass through Herod's little kingdom and could have snuffed them out. They, they, they had his favor. You see, where you and I get tripped up is we think because we've got some health issues or we've got some finance issues or some vocation issues or, or, or we've got some really significant people around us who, who, who just died. We, we begin to question, I don't know, God. I, I don't know if I got your favor or not. I think she's got it and he's got it and they look good, but I don't think I've got your favor. You're his favorite. You're his favorite. You have his favor. A week ago, Friday night, we had at our home um, some people that if you didn't know better, you would think they definitely don't have the favor of God. They're all older than us. We were the youngest ones in the room by several years, and that's rare. But you go around the room, and the first man, he lost his wife about six years ago. The next couple in the room around our dining room table have been betrayed by good people in ministry time after time after time again. The next couple in the room, he's battled prostate cancer now for 16 years. The next couple in our, around our table, they lost a son who was 50 or 51. The next couple, they lost a son who drowned. I was in Knoxville at the time. And I, I, I was there when this happened with Charles. Charles was about 25 or 26 years old. And yet this table of people, they have preached the gospel, not to hundreds of churches, thousands of churches. This group of people have impacted the kingdom of God. They've given away not tens of thousands, but millions and millions and millions of dollars. One of the couples in the room, a wealthy couple, sold their house, sold everything they had in Naples, and now they're working for a Bible college just full-time and living in a dorm. Multi-millionaires who are living in this dorm, serving the kingdom of God in their mid-70s. But you look at these people, and if you heard their stories of pain and loss, you would think, where's the favor? Where's the favor? The favor was all and has been all over these kingdom impactors. And as they left that night, we said to ourselves, gosh, if we could impact the kingdom of God half as much as any of these families, it will be a great life. 
It will be a life well lived. And that's what we kind of committed ourselves to that night, to be kingdom impactors. You know what Zephaniah says about you? Zephaniah chapter 3 verse 17 says, The Lord your God is with you. The mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you and in his love will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. Do you realize that every day of your life as a Christian, your heavenly father is singing over you? I don't know what he's singing, but he's singing over you. Can you imagine how much favor you have? God Almighty sings over you every day of your life. And that's why he's counting on you. That's why he's counting on me. He's counting on you to be the right kind of mom, the right kind of dad, the right kind of business leader, the right kind of pastor, the right kind of small. That's why he's counting on you. He's counting on you. He's counting on me. I'm his favorite. You're his favorite. But because we're his favorite, he's just kind of counting on us to help other people be impacted by the great kingdom of God. I don't know where I got this, but when Erica was about three and a half, I started this. And I said to her, because I really wanted her to know how much I loved her. And so I said to Erica, she's three and a half years old, very short. Now she's very tall, but she's very short at the time. And I said, I said, Erica, of all the little girls in the world, you're my favorite. If if God lined up every little girl in the world and I got to choose one, I would choose you every time. Ethan was about two years old. I said, Ethan, you're my favorite little boy in the whole world, my favorite. If God lined up every little boy in the world, I would choose you every time. And a few years later, I had a problem because Emily was born. Now I, got, now I got a problem. I thought, now what am I going to do? So Erica was seven, Emily was one, and, and I said, okay. I said, Erica, you're my favorite seven-year-old girl in the world. I said, Emily, I want you to know, you're my favorite one-year-old. You're my favorite one-year-old. And I've told them that story, and they can repeat the story. And, oh, yeah, Dad, we know. We get it. We're your favorite. Yeah, you choose us. Great, Dad. Pass the rolls. I mean, it's, it's cool. It's, it's cool now. But I want you walking out of here with two things. Number one, if you've not received Christ, that's your greatest gift this Christmas. There is no greater perk than being able to live under the umbrella of God's favor. And then the second thing I want for those of us in this room that we've already given our lives to Christ, no matter how you feel, no matter what, it's that we walk in that favor. We walk in that favor. We honor him because he's counting on you and he's counting on me. The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. And he will take great delight in you. And in his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but he will rejoice over you with singing. So that's why Paul in the New Testament in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2 says this, I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. If you would like to have all your sins forgiven, and if you would like to go to heaven, 
And if you would like to be in eternity with the rest of us in this room, we encourage you to give your life to Christ. It's called repentance. You change your mind, you change your behavior. You change your mind, you change your behavior. You confess that I believe that Jesus is the real deal. I believe he's the Messiah. And he will then forever put you into his family and into his fold. I'm going to ask us to stand. I'm going to ask our prayer partners to come down front and give you the opportunity today to give your life to Christ. Maybe today is your day to give your life to Jesus. And, and secondly, maybe you don't feel like you have God's favor. Maybe you're struggling with the favor of God. I want to encourage you to come down and let somebody pray for you. Let somebody who's got maybe a little bit more faith than you do today. Maybe there's enough faith with some of our prayer partners today that they can like come into you and help you and give you enough faith today to do what you need to do. So give your life to Jesus. Now is the day of salvation. Let me pray for us. And uh, we'll see you Tuesday night. And uh, just give your life to him. You have his favor. Wow. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you for your blood that was shed on a cross at Calvary so that we could live forever with you. Praise you. Praise be to you how great you are. Now, Father, motivate people, touch people, encourage people, nudge them, whatever it needs to do to lead them toward you. In your wonderful, blessed name we pray. Amen.